This episode of Alan's Confidential is produced on the lands of the Gadigal people. Today, the sun is shining in Gadigal country after a couple of weeks of rain, and we recognise the traditional owners' continuing connection to land, borders and culture, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander peoples joining us today. Here at Allens, they want you to learn and they want you to enjoy yourself. Go for it and keep your mind open. But a mentality of celebrating difference. Pro bono is a really important element. You play a pretty critical role. The work we do towards reconciliation, sustainability and philanthropy. God, my friends have taught me so much during this experience. Got off the train and I was like Elle Woods arriving at Harvard. (laughs) I was just like, this is my moment. If you have a smile on your face and you're willing to get stuck in and apply yourself, then you'll bring so much value. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Alan's Confidential. This is a very special episode for a couple of reasons and might go in a lot of weird directions depending on where we take it. But broadly, today we are talking about the Disputes and Investigations team and have two very special guests. For our very long-time listeners, we have a familiar voice on the podcast. We're joined by Geneva Secular, who is now a senior associate in our Disputes and Investigations team. Welcome, Geneva. And we're also joined by partner Ross Drinnen. Welcome to you both. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for having us. We're very excited to have you. So today we thought we'd kick things off by asking you if you had to explain Disputes and Investigations, or DNI, as we will refer to it, to an alien, how would you describe it? It's really looking at a situation that might be complicated or stressful or, you know, knotted and trying to unpick it a little bit and smooth things out and, you know, reach a resolution that everyone's happy with. You have to take that sort of mess that is the dispute and put it into some sort of coherent story so that we can explain our client's position. But I think one thing that's sort of really interesting about the work we do is well, here in our disputes team, it's it's primarily corporate and commercial sort of disputes. It's still fundamentally about human relationships and be surprised how in almost all of our matters, although we may be acting for very large corporates or very complex organisations, these disputes ultimately come down to raising issues as to human interaction mm. and sort of helping human interaction that's gone wrong be put right again, either because we can help the parties find peace or we can arrange for a court to tell them what peace looks like. Oh my gosh, you've met the aliens before. <laughs> That's poetry. So now that we've got that slightly bizarre question out of the way. Does it get I, easier from here on it in? Does, it does right. get, this isn't hard quiz, sadly, so this <laughs> does get a little bit easier. Ross, you might start with you. For the people listening at home who do not know you, have maybe have not done research on your LinkedIn. Mm. Can you tell us how you came to be sitting in this very esteemed room with us? So how did you end up as a partner at Allen's? What's been your trajectory like? Well, there's a short-term answer and a long-term answer. The short-term answer is I'm absolutely petrified and I only agreed to do this because I was coming with Geneva. (laughs) And she's got me out of a lot of sticky situations over the last two years and I figure she's the professional. So that's sort of the short-term. The long-term, I started at the firm more years ago than I care to disclose in this public (laughs) forum uh, as a clerk. My first interview in any legal context anywhere was at Allen's. There was only one thing that was clear following that interview was an abject disaster. And I thought the only <laughs> thing that was certain was that I would never see the inside of Allen's again. Really? However, I was invited back. I was offered a clerkship. I fell in love with the firm and either I'm deeply attached or I'm unimaginative and I'm here many years later. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask why did you think it was a disaster, your interview? 
Well, I was interviewed by someone who still walks the corridors Ooh. and is known <laughs> to people. Bit of a bulldog. Uh, an eccentric bulldog. <laughs> uh, and I thought it was a disaster because I just left with this feeling that we did not speak the same language. I mean, it was a bit like the alien sort of mm. situation. I felt like either he was an alien or I was an alien, mm. but whatever was going on, we were coming from different places and I was pretty nervous and it was all a bit of a foreign experience. Many years later, I did get hold of the interview notes of that interview and so <gasps> I did get to see what he had said about the interview. Oh my That's goodness. Was story. that was that encouraging? Partly, but partly sort Honest. of devastating. Yeah. Mm. I honestly think is that not the sole reason that you become a partner to yeah. access your employee? All the yeah. documents you're not allowed it's, to it's look a long, at. It's a long game, but a good game. <laughs> it's a long game just to read about yourself. Yeah. Which like is everyone's favorite topic. Absolutely. Geneva, can you give us a quick overview of your journey here? I mean, for those unloyal listeners who perhaps haven't followed you the whole way through, can you give us a recap? Yeah, so I clerked at the end of 2015, not a long time ago, but sort of feels like a bit of a distant memory now because so much has happened in the world between then and now. And I came back as a grad in 2017 and then I did my rotations through DNI and competition and then I founded this very podcast, which you did, which we speak on now, which was a real highlight and I think was a really fun part of you know, working at Allen's. It was just a great, fun thing to do for several years. And now I'm back in the disputes team. That's where I live. I'm a senior associate there. Yeah. So, Ross, can I ask you, do you remember making mistakes as a junior? A particular mistake doesn't spring to mind. That's good. However, I'm a believer that in the truth of the situation being that we all make mistakes and we continue to every day, there's no mistake that can't be solved except a mistake that isn't disclosed. So, in this place, we all make mistakes and some of them are more serious than others and some of them take more unravelling than others. But once the light of day is shone on them, then we can do something about it and we can all sort it out. Yeah. But the mistake that's hidden is the mistake that actually festers and becomes a bigger problem. And I was taught that early on. So, I mean, I do recall a young lawyer coming into my office years ago and telling me about a mistake they had made mm. and they were absolutely... Um, they were in a state. Horrified. They yeah. were in a state. And I knew that actually for the first 10 minutes of this conversation, my job wasn't even to find out about the mistake. Just my job was down. just to help them calm down because I knew that they'd already done the most important thing, which was to identify it and come and have a chat about it. So I think we successfully resolved the matter and they were kept in one piece and looked back on it and learned something. And we all learned something. And actually, there are very few mistakes that are ultimately going to you know, harm anyone or do any serious damage. Yeah, that's such a good attitude because mm. I remember at, at previous terms I've worked out when I was like in my early days of uni, you'd be terrified of going up to, you know, like the, the principal solicitor there. Whereas here I've always felt like I could go up and tell the partner I work for I've absolutely blundered this in yeah. a million different ways. And hopefully that's a reflection of, the, <laughs> of that culture from the top. But it is really encouraging to hear that and I, I feel like I'm going to get that audio clip and play it back to myself every single day when I make mistakes. It's something I think that plays on juniors' minds a lot. And and particularly, you know, when you start at Allen's or when you're thinking about law, people can be paralyzed by the fear of making mistakes. And it is lovely to chat to mm. people that normalize that. So mm. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we asked you about that. Definitely. I also think whatever mistake you've made, and this is to Ross's point, it, it always in your eyes is worse probably mm. than it actually is. Yeah. I've had a few yep. people come and confess things to me where they've said like, oh, I did this. I'm so sorry. It's so embarrassing. This is terrible. And it's like, oh, oh, that's fine. That That's really easy. We just do this. Or we just 
send that email. Like, yeah, it, it's really not a challenging thing to paper over, but you know, in the moment you think that you've actually just failed and you'll quit and you've wasted five years at law school because now you'll never have a future. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> there's always a way out. Like it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Geneva, can I ask you, when are you happiest as a litigator? What makes you want to get up in, and come into work? Literally, it's the stuff I'm doing at the moment. We're preparing for a trial and we're doing evidence. And I think that's that's the point, you know, in the life cycle of a litigation matter where you really get to sit down and just sort of think it through and you think, okay, how am I putting our case together? What do I need to bring out? What are actually the legal questions that this matter is raising? And, you know, you pull together all your documents and, you know, to Ross's point earlier about having a narrative, you get to craft it. And mm. I don't know, it's just so fun. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, if you study law, like you're probably a words person and you mm. like writing or reading. And this is that, this kind of synthesis of all of it, that you get to bring it together and write a narrative that if you tell your friends about it at a dinner party, they will be mortified that they have a friend who's that boring. But to <laughs> yeah. you, it's so exciting. Ross, what about you? Do you have any yeah. highlights? For me, going to court is still the highlight of being a litigator. Going to court brings together the culmination of the work Geneva's described. It's where you ultimately tell the story. By that stage, you've worked out that your client and whoever's on the other side can't resolve their differences and a judge or a court does need to adjudicate. And in the courtroom, I think you see the, the, the sort of the culmination of the work, which can often have taken years to get to that point, it is sort of complicated by the human dynamics in the courtroom, the, the individuals who are involved, the witnesses, counsel, the judge, and all of those personal elements that are, that are unpredictable and make for you know, a complex but hugely interesting scenario. As much preparation as you've done over the years leading up to it, ultimately there are things that are going to happen in court that you didn't anticipate but you need to be ready to deal with. And to me, that coupled with the application of the law, which is sort of ultimately what I hope we all enjoy mm. sort of working around because that's the career we've chosen to a real situation is the sort of why are we here. Yeah. Ross's answer was better than mine. <laughs> that's okay. He's had some, some extra years in the team to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I, I suspect I've been to court not as many times. <laughs> I, I love, for those of us who have been kind of pandemic grads who, who haven't seen too much of the inside of a courtroom, mm. I like that description because it really – brings across the theatre and the performance yeah. of the courtroom yeah. and, and that show that, you know, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what's yeah. going to happen next. And I think that's what excites all of us. And it doesn't go so well on Zoom. I mean, court no, on no. Zoom that's right. what do you think doesn't about that? provide the same theatre as you said, because it's hugely convenient and it's a whole lot more efficient. And a lot of judges love it because it's a, in many respects, a sort of a, a more economical sort of way of dealing with things. However, you you lose that sort of intensity of the of, of the courtroom and you lose the the subtle nuances because there, there's so much that you pick up in a room full of people, some of whom are in the witness box and some who are sitting in the back row, but they're all relevant to the overall equation. And you don't get that on Zoom because you just get the face and it's all a bit sanitized and it's all a little bit two-dimensional. The court is not immune from all the weird things that go wrong on Zoom or Teams. Absolutely. I was in a hearing and the judge got <laughs> kicked out and then just couldn't get back in. Oh, <laughs> and so her wasn't poor, allowed in. Yeah, her associate just kept being like, um, the judge's internet has just had a problem and she's, she's just trying to come back. And then the the person sort of running the platform was like, I can see her honour in the waiting room now. So I just, just advising counsel, I'll be letting her in and then nothing happened. It was just, you know, classic disaster. Like, totally ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very and I remember when we had that, talk from some uh, chambers at the start and they were giving tips 
and they had to remind everyone that when the laptop was on the desk to not stand up to the judge without bringing the laptop with you because, of course, you get the crotch shot. And I found that <laughs> one of the funniest byproducts of the early days of, of learning how to work with this. Both of you have been involved in recruitment in different capacities. Ross, I'm sure you've been involved in recruitment over the many years and Geneva being on the podcast and being a buddy and those sorts of things. What do you both look for in a future litigator when you see a grad come through the floor that someone who you're working with, are there traits that you're looking for or think that are great qualities to have if you're someone who wants to be a litigator? Maybe Geneva, do you want to start with you? What makes me happiest is you know, when people come in with a really sort of shiny attitude and, you know, people are really willing to learn and they're excited, they're asking questions. I think, you know, people don't want to make mistakes or people aren't sure what processes to follow because the courts can be different in different jurisdictions. But if you are happy just to ask a question, to be curious, to put your hand up, to be enthusiastic about what you're doing, I mean, you can teach people, right? You can teach mm-hmm. them sort of anything, but it's coming in with that drive and that willingness to throw themselves in. I love that. I think that's so much fun. And when people are just so, you know, bubbly and energetic to be around, you're like, yes, this is why we're doing this. We're going to the theatre with the courtroom together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Ross? The first thing I'm asking myself when I'm meeting someone, maybe in an interview is, are they authentic? Is this the real person I'm meeting or is this some tricked up fake version of what they think I should be meeting? And if you feel like you're in the latter category, then that's immediately sort of a bit of a negative. And then once you get past that, I, I, I think for me, it's about a genuine interest and ambition, not ambition in a sort of negative, sort of overblown way, but just someone who's saying, I've studied law, I'm really interested, I want to practice, I want to learn. I don't mind if they don't really know that they yeah. want to be a litigator yet, because mm. I think most of us don't really know which direction we want to take our career in until we start working in a real life scenario, but it's all of those qualities. I think the people who end up gravitating to litigation tend to be the people who uh, perhaps show some sort of propensity for the the sort of the courtroom sort of advocacy dynamic and, you know. You say people who are fun, who are charismatic. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, best crowds. Yeah, yeah. Obviously you highest know. quality lawyers. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, my, they're my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely. I, I quite like, Jamie, what you said about how you can just basically learn anything. And I feel like in the two years I've been in the team, you learn the weirdest stuff by being in the litigation team because it's not strictly about one topic area mm. in the same sense mm. that maybe the – TMT team, the technology, media and telecommunications team primarily deals with the techie side of things that I completely don't understand or IP. Whereas in litigation, you act for potentially like literally any Mm. client and you learn very weird things about the world. So Mm. I like that in that you just have general skills and a willingness to learn and you, you know, no one has a base foundation of knowledge you need coming into DNI. You know, Mm. this is a pet topic of mine. Mm. And I think there are two aspects to this. As a litigator, every new case you work on invariably presents uh, a new area of law and a new set of facts. Mm. And I think people are often quite surprised by how diverse the range of both of those elements can be. I had a case, one of the very few cases that went all the way to the High Court, that was ultimately about a peat bog in Victoria. Now, (laughs) who would have thought that you would spend five years of your life understanding how you mine peat, where you sell peat, is there a market, what is peat, how do you define peat? And 
you know, that's just, and then the next day you move on to a case that's about something completely different. In that scenario, I shortly after that time worked on a case that was all about contaminated soil. So maybe that wasn't too far removed and I was a bit worried I was in a sort of a, specializing. A sort of a specialization in sort of, you know, what things you find in the ground. But yeah, it's, I think those two things are really very true. And as litigators, we learn about the craft of preparing a matter for court or, or to resolve a dispute. I mean, we've emphasised courts today, but actually mm. there are a lot of other ways we resolve disputes, including through mediation. And that's a big part of what we do as well to help clients avoid, because while we might have fun, fun in court, there. they don't. <laughs> if the matter can't be resolved and you are heading to court, you take that sort of question of law to a depth that you never Mm. thought you would before. And it's really interesting to give it that time and effort Mm. in the context of your client's case to help them advance their own cause. And so I think those two things are really fascinating. Well, I always think as well, if you're someone who's drawn to a place like Alan's or that, you you know, you want to practice law long-term, you're probably someone who, you know, likes to really think critically about things and likes to get stuck in and sort of be challenged in your thinking. And so our clients are, you know, very sophisticated entities and they have really excellent lawyers who work for them. So the matters that come to us for disputes are often actually very challenging and mm. they're tricky and you know it's they need that external assistance because we've got that extra layer of expertise that we can add. So it means that if you do want to sort of be mentally stimulated at work, we get the most interesting questions that come across our desks. So I think that's always mm. you know that's a really satisfying aspect of the work as well is that you're like, wow, I'm getting paid to think. <laughs> that's yeah. my job right now to actually yeah. to sit down and think critically. That is is what my task is today. And that's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's quite a strange realisation. I think I probably had that in my first year. The first time that I had to really consider something and draft something where I knew kind of what I was doing. It is that realisation of, is this actually my job? Is this what I'm meant to do? Yeah, you know? my thoughts and, are valuable. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, a lovely thing and a comfortable pursuit to be in mm. if you enjoy that. And can I just add one thing to the tail end of all of that? I think having done all that thinking and spent the time working through the complexity, our ultimate job is to then simplify all of that Mm. for the client because our clients ultimately, what we might deal with lawyers within clients, the client itself and some of the key decision makers are usually not lawyers and they also don't have time for the complexity that we might be fascinated by. So, (laughs) you you know, the, the sort of final step in the equation is to take all of that thinking, the complexity, and then distill it to some very clear but highly sort of relevant, reliable concepts that will help the ultimate decision maker at the client work out what to do. That's right. I think sometimes that can be the hardest step, especially for juniors, because you're used to going into so much depth and you really get your teeth stuck into a problem or a question. And I find that certainly the hardest part Mm. is then letting go of all of those things that you've spent so much time and, and so many hours on to put it in a form that other people can digest. And sometimes mm. that means that some of your thoughts are, are going to be in the abyss and and not necessarily communicated, but that's yeah. a good thing and that's the end product. Yeah. In a sense, the client wants to know that you've done the the thinking that is represented by 50 pages yeah, of detailed exactly analysis, right. yeah. but they just want to know what the one page looks like. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah and sadly, right. you don't have the cop-out answer in law school of, well, it is an unsettled area of law. Yeah. So <laughs> you actually have to usually mm. give an answer. The old yeah. depends. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could. 
So Geneva, now we've spoken a little bit about the, the legal element of your job and, and what DNI might look like in practice as a, as a legal practice. Are there parts of your job at Allen's that aren't legal? I mean, obviously, you, you know, you started the podcast, you did that, you trailblazed various creative pursuits. What else do you do? Are there, are there things in the practice group that you like to kind of take part in? So our practice group is very fun and we always have sort of different things on the go, little initiatives of fun things to do. So we've just kicked off Human Cluedo, which will be in the office. So everyone comes in, you select a location, someone's name and an object, and you have to get that person to the location with the object. So we played that last year and it was a lot of fun. So it's become a sort of end of year tradition. Right. And is it, it's like a wide game, is it, in the office? Yeah. So it's the whole team. You've just right. got to pick a location that is accessible to everyone. So so, you know, you're not going to say the male bathrooms because that's not where everyone will go. Or like yeah. my house. Yeah. yeah. It's so that's also a HR disaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just waiting to happen. Yeah. So, but, you know, I could say, you know, Ross's office and 50 of us could all say that. So poor Ross is trying to do his job while everyone's trying to kill people in his office. The team aspects of the job are really fun. They're things I like to get stuck into. I mean- Obviously, the legal work is good too, but it's the team stuff that I think is is the best. Lawyers being lawyers and litigators being mm. litigators, human Cluedo does sort of invariably lead to some disputes. <laughs> yes. And last year there was a dispute that became particularly contentious and ended up in a formal hearing before <laughs> a, an appointed commissioner who was one of the partners in our group. So it also provided an opportunity, a little bit of a case study for the summer clerks in uh, a moose, rapid preparation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Ross, you said that in the passive voice as if it wasn't your kill that was the disputed <laughs> one and you were the participant. Well, you know, the, the rules that dictate this game were very sloppily drafted. Absolutely. And there was only one sort of respectable way to deal with it and that was to examine the, the rules and we had a discussion about that which ended in litigation. And Ross, I'm excited to see whether you bring the same aggressive litigation stance that you did last year. I would. I don't. I don't know game. that I like the word aggressive. I think <laughs> firm but fair. <laughs> we like to ask our guests if there was one piece of advice that they could go back and give to themselves when they were at law school, thinking about law and perhaps considering a career in law. What would it be? Nobody cares about your career as much as you do. So, if there are things that you want or you have goals, you know, you're the one who has to sort of actually verbalize that and to talk to people and to you know, be your own champion in a way. So, you know, don't just sit there and quietly hope like, oh, I'd be really interested in this kind of matter. You know, tell somebody because mm. then they can make it happen for you. And equally, if you're sort of sitting there thinking, oh, wow, I'm really tired. I just feel like I need a break. Like, yeah, let someone know. This is your career. It's your yeah. race to run. Like you're the person who really has full autonomy and sort of drive on that that whole journey. And I just think people really should be encouraged to, to take hold of it, and especially when you're very junior, because that's the time where you think like, oh, no one cares what I think, or I couldn't possibly ask someone for X, Y, and Z. But actually, no, you, it's always your career and it's always in your hands. Mm. So that's, that's my little tidbit. Yeah. My advice is to take the full advantage of the really important relationships that surround you. I mean, you might think that if we're talking about a career as a lawyer, it's going to be sort of to be you know, learn it in the law and sort of, you know, <laughs> entrench yourself in a particular area of specialty or, you know, go overseas and study. And those things are really important to building your sort of knowledge. But I think the thing that's ultimately determinative of success 
both in terms of the enjoyment you have within your career and where you take it is by realizing that the people around you who might be more senior than you, who might be your peers, or maybe several years junior to you, are the people whose relationships are going to be critical to what that career looks like over the long term. And they're the people who will teach you, who will encourage you, who will give you feedback. And I think too often we don't appreciate that that very human aspect of the community and the teams we work in is the thing that actually makes the biggest difference. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a really lovely note to end on the collegiality of law and perhaps what goes beyond legal networks, but the people you meet Mm. in the course of your career in law is something that's quite powerful and, and is a lovely thing to take away. Definitely. So don't sledge the other grads because they'll That's stick around. <laughs> yeah, or there might That's be, a, you know, in, in 40 years' time, there might be a client. Actually, yeah. 40's a long time. For <laughs> yeah, keep them on side. All right. Thanks very much both for your time today. I thought that was a great episode. I loved it. I, yeah, had a great time. I hope listeners enjoyed it as well. Get ready for, for all the clerks to come and ask for your autographs in due course. Your stars, of course. I'm used ready. to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank Thanks you. For having us. Privileged to be here.